right, good morning, Adventure Church. Uh, I thought we were Pentecostals here. Good morning, Adventure Church. Hey, there we go. Let's rep. All right. I love it. Well, it's good to be here. Uh, I'm Pastor Kelly. I, I pastor the uh, Adventure Church Utah County campus. So I, hey, there's one of us. Thank you. Um, so I left the trenches of Utah County and, and came up here to give you a really lighthearted, simple word. Um, Amen. I was uh, I was joking around with the the leadership team. When we were praying um, that it seems like when Jody goes on vacation, she likes to give me these really fun, controversial topics. Um, I don't know what that means. That's what that says about myself. Um, maybe they're just drawn to me. I don't know. Um, but we're going to be talking about giving and giving with our money, which I know everyone's probably squirming in their seats right now when I say that because. You know, there's, there's a lot of controversy, a lot of misconceptions. And, and one thing that I've learned is when we don't understand the why we do something and we just focus on the what, it tends to lead to what we call legalism. You know, when we just do the what without the why, we're missing really the heart behind it. And, and as a, a teacher of the word, I, I really dig into the why behind Scripture, Right? How do we figure out what's going on, the principle in the word? And, and that's what I want to do today around giving, is this idea of, of why we give. Address some of the, the, the hardships and the misconceptions with this, this, this topic, because it is one that is, is important. Um, and so I want to make sure that we have a clear-eyed a view on what this topic looks like from a biblical perspective. You guys on board? Leave now or forever hold your peace. No, just kidding. Um, we'll have time afterwards. If you want to come up and ask questions too, feel free to do so. But I first off want to acknowledge the pain and hurt around this topic. Uh, I think many of us in this room know that this topic has been used for abuse. It has been used um, in ways that bring shame and condemnation and even kind of make you feel like, what, like a second tier Christian if you don't give. And I just want to address that right now, that that is, a, that is a lie and that is a misconception, okay? You are not less than because you give or you don't give, all right? You, you are purchased by the blood of Christ, amen? And that is your value. That is your worth is in Christ itself, not in your ability to give or, or do some kind of a work. So you're not a second tier Christian. And, and if you're in that place where you feel shame and condemnation and guilt, I, I want you just to remember Romans 8.1, right? Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. So let me just start off with that. And then I also, I, obviously, this is a controversial topic. People don't like to talk about money, right? I'm a, I'm a co-vocational pastor, which means I work a full-time job during the day as a, as a recruiter for a software company. So I get the pleasure of asking people how much they make every day. And so for me, it's, it's a little easier to talk about money because I have to every day. But I know for a lot of us, it, it's taboo. If someone asked you how much money you make, you probably want to smack them or, or run away. I don't, I don't blame you. It is kind of a taboo thing to talk about. But I think that just means that we need to talk about it more, honestly. I think things that we don't want to talk about need to be talked about, don't you? Anything that we want to hide away and kind of keep to ourselves probably needs to be exposed, right? And money is no different than anything else that we deal with on a day-to-day basis, right? On a day-to-day basis. And so I, I know that it can be uncomfortable, but I, I want to ask you, like, why? Why is it uncomfortable to talk about? What is it about money that is so different than the rest of everything that we have that, that makes it uncomfortable and weird to talk about? And I'll let, I'll, that's a, you don't have to answer that. It was rhetorical, by the way. 
But we need to talk about it because in our culture, it is really obsessed with this idea of money, isn't it? Right? The culture, and especially here in the States, it is obsessed with, with money. In fact, a lot of times our value is, is in how much we can make, how much, what we do to make our money. Right? There's so much value and obsession around this topic. And Jesus never shied away from talking about money. Right? Jesus was not afraid to talk about money. Out of the 40 parables that he gives, 11 of them consist of some kind of, of a money aspect to it. Right? Jesus was obviously very aware of the human heart and knew the tie that money would have and could have on a human heart. Uh, in a recent poll uh, done by CreditWise, this was done in February of this year, it said that 73% of Americans claim that money or finances are the number one stressor in their life. So for the majority of us, this is something that we spend a lot of time worrying about, spend a lot of time thinking about, something that we don't like to talk about because it gives us anxiety and securities, right? Which again, my job is to poke you in the eye a little bit and make sure we talk about it, okay? And, and we got to be careful though, because money can really start to capture our hearts and our desires, and we start to begin to, we begin to worship it rather than worship God. It could happen without you even realizing it. You know, the Bible talks about how the love of money is, is the root of all evil. And, you know, that, that scripture gets used a lot for a lot of different reasons. And, and I just want to point out that, that money itself is not a, an evil component. It's, it's the idea of loving money is the root of all evil. And, and I think money is just as necessary as anything else we have, right? As, as far as water and food and shelter, right? We need money to survive. I don't know anybody who would argue that, right? To at least get by in this world, we need money. And Jesus was obviously very aware of that, but the love of money can really capture a heart. And it captured mine. I'm sure it's captured many people in this room. I know I'm not alone in, in knowing that that's what it did. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And a treasure is something you kind of store away, you hold on to. You don't really want to share it necessarily or expose where it is. And, and Jesus is, is really poking us here a little bit saying, where your treasure is, your heart is also. The heart is the desires, where your thoughts are. So if you're, you have this deep desire for money and you're thinking about it all the time and, and it's kind of become something of an idol in your life, this is hopefully going to be something that, that sets you free. And you see, uh, you see freedom from why we study this. You know, A.W. Tozer is, is one of my, my favorite authors, and he, he does an analogy that I really like. He, he takes two dimes, you know, two of the smallest coins that we have, and he says, if you were to put these up to your eyes, it, it obscures your, para, your, your view, right? So if I was to go out to the mountains and try to look at the mountain, and if I held it out far away, then I could see the view really well, but the closer I came to it, the more obscure my view of those beautiful mountains becomes, right? And that is exactly what money can do. You know, it's not necessarily the amount of money, any type of money, any amount of money can obscure our view if it's placed in the wrong position in our life. It will effectively obscure our view. If money is, is obscuring the view as if it, that's close, you're not going to be able to actually see the bigger picture. You're not going to be able to see the, the beauty that is beyond even that small amount before your eyes. So this is why we need to talk about it. And, and I've really set apart three ways that we can worship the Lord with our money. 
And in worshiping the Lord with our money, it sets people free from the bonds of money. Funny that, right? We give to the Lord, we are set free from the, the things that we give to him. And so the three do's I want to talk about here, the first one is, is do it as a sacrifice, not as an increase. Give as a sacrifice, not in order to receive something in return. To do it cheerfully and not under compulsion. Compulsion means like a, a force upon you to do. And then three is as it reflects the gospel. Probably the most important. Give as though it reflects the gospel. So you guys ready to dive into this? If I broke the, the mold of, of awkwardness already by talking about this? So the first point is do it as a sacrifice, not as an increase. Romans 12, it teaches us, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, everything that you are as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. True and proper worship is this idea of laying everything down that we have, is as sacrificing everything down that we have. And, and when you think about actual sacrifices in relationship, right, there, there's not many healthy relationships that, that say, well, I'm only going to sacrifice 30% of who I am in this relationship, right? We would probably call that a toxic relationship, right? A, a real sacrificial relationship is saying everything that I am is yours. Everything that I own is yours, which is why marriage reflects this relationship between God and his people. Okay. And so when we live these sacrificial lives to God, when we say, Lord, I surrender all. We sing about it all the time. We talk about it all the time. Are we really sacrificing and, and, and giving up everything that we have for him? Think about that. I'll let you stew with that in your own heart and mind for a moment. And in really living sacrificially, it, it starts small, okay? It starts small. All of our lives are a living sacrifice. That, that means time, attention, our tears, yes, even our money. But we often start walking before we run, okay? Let me give you an example. So, you know, we think sacrificing and giving all to the Lord is a lot like giving the Lord a $1,000 bill, right? Here's my life, Lord, $1,000. Here it is, giving you it all. But in reality, it's like going to the bank and cashing in that $1,000 for quarters. We give 25 cents at a time as Christians. Let me tell you what that means. As the Christian walk, it's not this flash of glory, right? We don't get saved and then just boom into heaven, right? That'd be awesome. I've prayed for that some days of my life. Like, just take me. Just take me home, man. I'm ready to go. But the Christian walk is harder when we sacrifice little by little for the long haul. So these acts of sacrifices, the act of giving sometimes starts with just little bits and then progresses as you see how generosity starts to build you up. Change the way you look at individuals. See how it blesses those around you. I don't know you, but there, there is a general principle that God has built within this creation that giving is better than receiving, right? I love being a dad because I get to give my kids gifts 
at Christmas time. Like that, as a kid, I never really understood that. But as a dad, I'm like, this is so much fun to be able to see them and get to experience the joy they get in seeing that. And, and it starts by small things, living sacrificially for the Lord. Giving sacrificially can start small, but it tends to grow into what we call a generosity. Look, at, look what Jesus says in Luke 16.10. He says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little also will be dishonest with much. You know, and so when we give sacrificially, even just a little bit to start, even just kind of sticking it out there a little bit to say, okay, God, what can you do with this? will grow into something that will blow your mind. It will grow us into a place of generosity. And, And I don't know about you, but I would love to see the Adventure Church as one of our trademarks is, boy, those are a people of generosity, not of hoarding. A people who give with nothing expected in return. Imagine the witness that would be to our culture. In our state, where things like giving is, is compulsed and forced, we are a people who give out of the blessings that we have been given already. Generosity is the idea of of giving freely without anything in return, without any stipulations to access. It starts small, but grows into something where you can get so excited to give. And you stop thinking about the money in your bank account and you start thinking about the faith that is being developed. I don't know about you, but at the end of my life, I will not care how much money is in my bank account but I will care about the faith that God has developed and stored and used in my life to bless those around me. Mark 12, 41 through 44 says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. The temple was a lot like a bank in Jesus's day. People would go and put in their their tithes and offerings, which was something required by the law. And so he was watching this as it occurred. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, very similar to my two dimes here. This is all I could afford. Sorry. (laughs) Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. The idea of generosity has has really little to do with the amount that you give. But really, it reflects more on what's going on in the heart of an individual, right? The woman and the widow gave out of what she had because she trusted God with it. She depended on the Lord for it. And Jesus clearly saw this that the reward wasn't in the amount that was given. The reward was in her dependence on him, her dependency on, on God to provide. It was a faith that grew, not her bank account, right? It was her faith that was developed. You know, and I look at my own life and, and I see how even in my, my minuscule givings on, on paper, the faith that has developed and and knowing I can depend on God, not only just for daily things, but to know I can depend on him even financially. 
that he's not just the, the God of, of only my life, but really everything in my life. And that includes my financial abilities. That includes the provision for my family. I just don't know how you can really approach the Lord and say, I'm going to hold something back. So as a church, we, we must be worshipers of living sacrifice, fully dedicated and committed to offering everything we have to him. Again, not marked out by our large bank accounts, but our riches that are found in faith. Amen. Our riches that are found in our dependency upon him. A people who are fully focused on our God. And then number two, I want to look at is, is do it cheerfully, not under compulsion. To give cheerfully, not under compulsion. 2 Corinthians 9, 6-7, Paul writes, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, as a pastor and a, and a leader, I would much rather have a church of one or two people who are generously and cheerfully giving than a thousand people who are forced and reluctant to give. I'll tell you why. I was reading a, a story this week about a Tampa Bay chiropractor. I don't, I don't know if that's, this has nothing to do with chiropractors, but that seemed important. <laughs> who was paying alimony and, and his last check was for his family was for $182. And instead of just writing the check, he gave the back, uh, he wrote on the back of his shirt, here is the shirt off my back and sent it to his family. Now what the story teaches us is when there is no joy and when there is no love in giving, it will lead to bitterness. Reluctancy and compulsion will often have a fruit of bitterness when it comes to, give, to, to giving. That's why when you give, you need to give out of a joy and cheerfulness of being able to give. You know, Amy and I, Amy's, Amy's my wife, and when we sat down, we first got married all those years ago. We were, we were trying to, all right, so how much do we support the local church, right? We obviously love the church. We, were, we weren't pastoring at the time. I, I came to the ranks as anybody walked in the door. And so we sat together and we thought, how much do we give? And we wanted to support the church. We love the church. The church has equipped us and empowered us. And it's the very manifold wisdom of God to the world. And we decided, let's give 10%. I mean, it worked for Abraham to Melchizedek. It, it worked for Israel. Like the principle has got to be solid, right? So we decided to give 10%. That wasn't under a, a legal requirement. Because we're not under the law, we're under grace. Amen. But it was something that we decided in our hearts, yes, we want to bless and be a part of what God is doing amongst the body of Christ by giving that amount. And, and that's just, and that, the thing is, I think sometimes we think that's it. Like we, we gave our 10%, bam. And I think that is the wrong idea of looking at this topic. Because I, it has formed the differences of the way I think about giving. 
I cannot wait to give money away. I don't know, but I, I love it. I love going to restaurants and leaving giant tips. I love it because I love to see the power that generosity has in people's lives. I mean, I know people who are a part of the Utah County campus who came because somebody was generous at one point in time. The impact and the influence of that is, is beyond anything we can comprehend. But it didn't start that way. I didn't, I didn't start by, by saying, hey, let's, let's give 10%. I'll tell you how it started for me. I started with $10. And Malachi says that, we're, that, that God asked, he's, like, he's telling Israel, he's like, you can test me in, in your tithings and offerings to Israel. And so I had heard that and I said, okay, let's see what you got, God. I'm going to test you with my $10. And uh, it was a long time ago, I, I was working uh, at State Farm as a, as an insurance agent of all things, pretty funny. And, um, and so I thought, all right, what are you going to do with this? And so I put my $10 in on Sunday. I went to work the next day thinking about it, like, all right, like I'm expecting a blessing, Lord. And um, I, I started working and it was a really busy day. I was taking lots of calls, way more than usual. I, I think usually I maybe wrote two or three policies a week. I was not a very good State Farm agent. Um, but that day I wrote 10 insurance policies. And I didn't realize I was counting up. My boss was like, you had like a really strong day. And I was like, well, yeah, it was a pretty busy day. And it kind of just stuck to me like, uh, $10, 10 insurance policies. If I put in $100 next week. <laughs> right? That was kind of my mindset at the time. And, and it was one of those, and like, he, he did not let me write 100 insurance policies next week, unfortunately. But it, it woke me up to this idea that, wow. Like, maybe I can trust God with these things. Because before that, I was not a giver. I did not care. And I'll tell you what, there was a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress around, around money. I held on to it very, very tightly. And ever since that day, I have been trusting the Lord with, with, with my money. And, and I've, I've grown in my ability to give and God has provided more. So it's been able to, to give more. And, and he's always provided. There is not one moment in my life where God has not provided and I trust that he will provide. Do I know how? Nope. But I trust that he will. And then more importantly, I can't wait to give. When I saw that, I was like, who else can I give to? What else can I give to? It was exciting. We were getting our stimulus checks. I was like, should we just give it all? I want to give it all away. Amy's like, woohoo, let's walk off that cliff a little bit, right? <laughs> no, she's very generous too, but she's got a lot better head on her shoulders than me. I was like, let's just give it all away. I want to give it, this is going to be awesome. And she let me take a big chunk and throw it. We have kids, so we got a ton of money. So we just, I gave a lot of it away. But it was so fun. I loved it. I loved being able to write that check for the body of Christ. I loved being able to write the check for the other ministries that we support. It was so much fun. And then my last point here is do it and give as it reflects the gospel. And I think this is probably the most important. Give as though it reflects the gospel. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 8, 7 through 9, talking about the people of Corinth, the church in Corinth. He says, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, this is like preaching, you have good preachers. In knowledge, you have great theologians. And complete earnestness and in the love we have kindled in you. 
Listen to what he says here. See that you also excel in the grace of giving. This is why I named this sermon the grace of giving. See also, and all those other disciplines and, and faithful discipleships, see too that you also excel in the grace of giving. He says, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. And this is in the verse nine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. You see how Paul brings that into the gospel. So the grace of giving. And and you know, we don't see the New Testament having any sort of command where if you don't give, you are shunned or called a second tier Christian. That's a misapplication. Something that I will fight to the day I die if people are teaching that. But we do see them reflect giving back in response to Christ. That is something we see abundantly in the New Testament. So you could be of extreme faith. You could be the best preacher in the world. You could be a top-notch theologian and you could love deeply. But there is still room to grow and excelling in the grace of giving. This is why when we are looking for, for leaders, when I'm looking for, for pastors to raise up, I'm looking at those things like faith and, and truth and, and those six of things. But, you know, we're also looking for that idea of grace of giving. Are you someone who is tied up in money? Or are you someone who is willing to give? Are you generous? Because how many of you know we need, we need leaders in the church that are generous and not people who are obsessed and hoarders of money? How many churches have you heard that have gotten in trouble because of that very principle? And it breaks my heart, this idea of generosity, to be people known for the grace of giving. Not as a command, but as a mark of discipleship as a mark of, of growing and, and relying in your dependency on the Lord. And, and I've learned one thing, being a pastor these six years, is that faith in God is everything. I thought it was important before that. Wait till you start trying to minister to people and you have no idea what you're talking about sometimes. Then it takes a lot of faith. And we do this by remembering the grace of Jesus Christ. It was Jesus who had all the riches of heaven, wasn't it? I can't, even, I can't even comprehend the riches that are of heaven for God. I mean, the guy made gold, for crying out loud. Imagine what heaven is like. He wasn't subject to place or time or human limitations. He's God, right? But look what he did for us. In Philippians 2, 6 through 7, it says, Who, this is talking about Jesus, being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used in his own advantage. He didn't come down and say, look at me in all my power and glory. No, he, he came down. Rather, he made himself nothing. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Jesus made himself nothing, laying so much of his riches in heaven down, so that he could die and resurrect for us. Think about the sacrifice. 
How many of us could even sacrifice a few minuscule pieces of paper? God sacrificed his one and only son for people who hated him, rejected him, didn't, know, didn't believe in him. Is there any greater love than that? Is there any sense of generosity greater than that? Jesus is the generous gift of God, given for us so that we can have the riches of heaven and salvation. That is the very heart of why we give. You know, when you read the New Testament, you read people like Paul. You know, we were just teaching Romans 9 and 10 in Utah County, and there's one clear indicator you see is this transformation that Paul goes through. You know, he, in 9 and 10, he's, he's begging for Israel to be saved. He's like, I, my plea and my desire is that all of Israel will be saved. That is a transformation of a, of a connection between him and the heart of God, that God's like, I desire and I want Israel to be saved. And in the same way that we give, we have the same, God gave for us the very nature of Jesus who gave up all of the, the riches of heaven for us. And the reflection on that is that we live out a generosity in life. We didn't see God holding him back, did we? He unleashed Jesus for us, not under compulsion, not forced upon us, but because God loves us. Because it was a joy for him to see us saved from our sins. So to see the kingdom progress in the church, I mean, again, the church is called the manifold wisdom of God. For to me, it's like, this is where people are discipled, empowered, equipped, and then sent out. I think so often we kind of hand that over to maybe the seminaries and we hand it over to maybe some, some other people, but really it's amongst us, the, the body of Christ, the, the brothers and sisters coming together where people are encouraged, empowered, and sent out. And that's one reason I give for this place. I want to see it to grow and develop. And I want to see people encouraged and empowered and, and going out and sharing the gospel. That's the reason I, I, I gave my life over to the church to be a pastor is, is so that I can see those things be done, that I can be a part of the equipping of the believers. And this is something that all the body of Christ can do. It's not just the pastors who equip, right? We all equip one another. We do that in reflection to the goodness and generosity of our God, amen? So let me just end with this part here. This is a, a, a passage that is really famous and one of my favorites, but I want you to see how God gave first and we give out of that mindset. In John 3, 16, verse 17, for God so loved the world, the world that hated him, the world that rejected him, the world that worshiped other gods, the world that didn't believe in him. God loved that world so much that he gave his one 
and only son. And that one and only son is, is often called the first fruits of salvation or the first fruits of a resurrection. That first fruits is a very Jewish term. And in Jewish society, what would happen is that they would have a sacrifice of the first fruits after Passover. And in fact, that sacrifice of the first fruits landed on the day of the resurrection. And what the Israelites would do is they would go and grab a, a bushel of their harvest, a little basket full, and they would grab a little first fruit out of that, a little part of that, very, you just put it in your hand. And they would sacrifice, they would wave it before the Lord as a recognition that from God comes all good things. As a recognition of understanding that you are the one who bears the harvest. You are the one who, who brings salvation. You are the one who, who gives us these things. And to think that God, his love is so deep that he gave his son as the first fruit. He could have given anything, but he gave his son something that was so valuable, something of utmost worth, something that none of us deserved. He gave that generously because he was happy to do so for the salvation of us. I hope and pray that from that comes your generosity. Not from the legal code, not from compulsion, not from a forced upon mandate, but because you are recognizing that the riches of heaven you are access to because of a faith that you were, that you were developed by grace in Jesus Christ. So that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save the world through him. That is why I give. That is why it is so exciting to give. That's why the faith that has developed in people's lives who are generous and marked with generosity, it's, under, it's not really understandable in this world. Because our world really says to keep, hold money. Hold on to it. God says, let it go. What, are you going to take it with you? What are a couple hundred dollars going to compare to the heaven riches above? And my prayer is that the Adventure Church, again, will be known as a people of generosity. That the communities around us and our, and our homes and our families that will see there's something different. They do not have that same treasure hidden away in their hearts because money will absolutely tear you apart if you let it control your heart. That is a promise. And I hate seeing it. The hardest part of ministering is, is seeing people bound up in things like this, putting their hope in that instead of the, the beauty and the freedom that's found in giving it over. And please hear my, my motivation is, is complete freedom. I, I often will tell people, if you are reluctant and feel compulsed to give, just don't give. I want you to give joyfully and cheerfully from the reflection of the gospel. Amen. Will you stand? Let's pray.
Father God, I pray. Lord, I pray for deliverance for those in the room who are bound up by money. Who are afraid to give it. I understand. I know. You know. So Lord, I pray that you will break the the callousness and the hard rock that is our heart with money sometimes. Deliver us, Lord, from, from that bondage, from that fear and anxiety and that stressor that, that 73% of our, our, us go through. That it's not about a specific number. It's about being generous with what you have given us. Recognizing that you are the first fruit that you were sacrificed for us. And Father, I pray that you will mold and form the Adventure Church into a place of deep generosity. Lord, that you will use the resources you have given us to equip the believers, to build up a people who are dependent upon you than anything else. For everything of the world will burn, but only the things that you sow will last forever. And I want to invest in the things that will last forever. I want people to invest in the things that will last forever. So Lord, mark our hearts. Grow our faith as we depend on you, as we start small, and we see the goodness and unfailing love that you provide. And we may sing it, we may say it. We want to be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. And so, Lord, help us to to see how generous you are. Help us to recognize the the beauty in, in giving. The way that you can raise up our faith and build us up. Now, money is really just a moot issue in this whole situation. It's really just about the heart. The heart of releasing what you have given us. The heart of, of pouring back into what you are pouring out into the world. So Lord, change our minds, renew it. Give us a heart that is of one of of giving to those, to giving into the the body of Christ, the, the very manifold wisdom of God to the world. How crucial and how important it is for, for churches to be placed and, and, and known by their generosity in this time and age. When the world says, hold, we say, let go. So Father, I pray that you will bless this group. Do not let these words go unheard. Let them sit in our minds and in our, in our hearts. Let them fester and, and, and grow into something that will lead to, to fruits of abundance. The abundance of faith. Muscles of faith. Because we don't care about big bank accounts. We want to see large amounts of faith. This world needs Christians who are faithful. Faithful servants. So make us into that, Lord. Mold us and form us into the people you want us to be. A people who excel in the grace of giving. In the name above names, and Lord of lords, 
of all creation. Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day. If you need prayer, we're going to have a few people up here for prayer as well. So feel free to come up.